Thank you, Brother Eric. I'm amazed always when you, when you prepare a message and how God works in a way, and you hear uh, a prophetic word in uh, McKayla, uh, sorry, McKinley, uh, her uh, encouraging word this morning, and she said, if God's will is God's will, then he will make a way. And uh, then Ashley followed it up as she was getting ready to lead worship, and she said, God's story is always better than ours. And uh, I just want to start with that because it reminds us what God said at the beginning of the message that I had nothing to do with. That was a perfect example of God's way of intervening and how he wants to share with us this morning about why Advent. And it's subtitles, Anticipating God's Presence While We Wait. So what time is it? Say Christmas time? 11, 12. 11, 12. What other time? So, well, fill in the blanks. You can choose anyone you want. Let's do some audience participation here winter time worship time overtime halftime lunch time time out it's about time i feel like our culture in a way is a um constantly thinking about time we're always wondering about time. We're always wanting time to pass. And we think about time almost on a point where we're, we're overwhelmed by time. Yeah. I can't wait for Friday night to get here. Thank God it's Friday. Oh, no, it's Monday. Right? Taco time. So let's go back in time in 2004 on a snowy night in one of the advents that we had. Samuel was three. Uh, those of you who know um, our story, a little bit, a little glimpse, I'll kind of pepper it through here. But my wife and I, Paige, we uh, uh, wrestled through the journey of infertility uh, for 12 years. And, and our desire to have children and our desire to be fam a, a family, we wrestled through this reality. And one night, as we were driving home from my parents' house up in Fort Wayne, we stumbled across um, a path covered in snow. And as we were traveling home, we got rerouted. We were on 69, and it wasn't safe driving because of the weather conditions. So we took State Road 3 all the way back, thinking for some reason that would be better. Um, <laughs> And literally, this, the, it looked like this. So we're driving down State Road 3, and I remember it very vividly. And all of a sudden, I look, and there's this, Paige, look, there's lights over there. Wait, oh, no, that's a van. Oh, they're stuck in a snowdrift. Oh, no, what do, what do we do? Well, I pulled in in, in our car, and we, this is early for all you teenagers, there was a time before cell phones. So, but we happened to have one at this time, and uh, it was one of our first ones, and we got, a, we got a cell phone, and the reality of a cell phone, we made, I recognized the van. We walked up and said, you guys need help? And it was a grandma and her teenage son driving. And so we were talking to them and interacting with them. Do you guys need help? Yeah, we just got, my son just, or my grandson just got his license. And she started telling the story, and we interact with this, this grandma and her son, or grandson. And they got stuck in the snowdrift with no cell phone. Found out in the conversation that her grandson had cerebral palsy. And he was driving, and, he was, and she was probably in her 70s, 80s, somewhere in that space. And we, they were stuck. They had nobody to help. And so they were waiting for God to answer prayer. And it just so happened that 
we were the answer to prayer. So we called the police. We sat out in the snow. Sam, I don't know if you remember this, but we were sitting out there in the snow waiting for them. The police came. It was pretty cool. He had, he had a, a infrared glass goggles. So we're like, hey, can, we, can my son see them? So he's looking through the, through the snow and the, everything. It was, it was pretty amazing to watch. But anyways, we spent all this time with this, this lady and her, uh, her grandson and really ministered to them, just helped them be at peace. She said, we told her our story, we were adopting again, we were waiting for our, our next child to come, and our, in the process of this, she says, well, I was adopted. And so we're like, well, that's pretty cool. How did God orchestrate that? So in the conversation of all this stuff, we start recognizing that, well, this is pretty, pretty cool. God's doing pretty good work here. So we leave, and then she said, well, can I get your address? And I said, no, ma'am, we didn't pay any money. We didn't, we didn't do anything. All we did was call the cops and stay here. It's perfectly fine. You don't have to send us anything. And she's like, well, I just like your address, please. And I'm like, okay. So I gave her address and forgot about it. I literally forgot about it. What is Advent? Anticipation is someone's arrival. Eager preparation of one's heart. Recognizing that Advent is a season of preparation where I can eagerly get ready for something that's about ready to happen that's somebody who's not here yet. And what's interesting to me, and I love this, I love when Eric and Tom came to me and asked me to do this, and when Michelle created this beautiful Advent wreath system, and what I love about it is the, oops, sorry. <laughs> the, wrong, the wrong time for that to fall. Um, but uh, what's beautiful about this is the Advent season represents four, the four Sundays before Christmas. And so in churches that actually um, every year will actually go to church on Christmas, they actually light the Christ candle, which is a center candle. Each, each candle has a name. And they light the Christ candle on Christmas Sunday. And so when Eric and I were talking, Tom and I were talking about this, we said, well, let's light, it, let's light it ahead of time. And because Christ has already come, Christ has already been here and, it, and he's going to come again. So this represents Christ and he's going to come again. But the fact that he's already here and he is the light of the world. And he, we're going to light this candle. We're going to take the first candle here and I'm going to light the candle of prophecy. And as we... And as we um, light that candle and we recognize that God is here, we also recognize that God has already prophesied that he's coming again. We can already anticipate the time with eager preparation that God is coming back. And we can be excited about that and we can anticipate that. So let's dig into the scripture and see what God has to say to us today as we prepare our hearts prophetically and um, symbolically, symbolically about what God's doing in our time. And we're going to talk about two different kinds of time. We're going to talk about Kronos time, and we're going to talk about Kairos time. You, you may know the word eros is, a different, is one of the loves. There's agape love. There's uh, philos love. There's different kinds of loves in the scripture. There's also different kinds of time. And so we're going to talk about the two different kinds of time here in Luke chapter 1 and... Uh, in the story of Zechariah. So let's dig into this a little bit. Chronos time is actually clock ticking, a calendar turning, seasons changing, 
So that's chronos time in the process of chronos. Let's look at Genesis. If you guys were here last year, I spoke when Tom was on sabbatical. Uh, I talked about a little bit about this, and we talked about uh, the, the reality of chronos time, and this is, this is where it originates, right? And God said, let there be light and the expanse of the sky to distinguish between the day and the night. Boom. Right in Genesis 1, chronos time is being inter, 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 or is, is being created. And let them be signs to mark the seasons. How many people are, are, let's talk about your seasons. Who's a summer person here? Everybody loves summer? All right, who loves fall? All right, how about spring? All right, now, how about winter? Yeah, all right, I'm, the, I'm one of the winter guys. I love winter. It's the only time in the year I don't sweat. And, it's, and it was so. God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. What are those greater lights? The sun and the moon. And he made the stars as well. God set these lights in the expanse of the sky to shine upon the earth, to preside over the day and the night and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Okay, what came first, evening or morning? Evening. So, Last year I talked about it, I'll say it again, your day starts at night. Your day is a, already designed to prepare you for the next day. You start your day with rest, and as you rest, you prepare to live out the rest of your day. That's exactly what's happening. So right here is even an example of Advent. It's preparation, it's anticipation of what God's going to do, and we start with rest. To preside over, to rule, to have dominion. Is that verse 18 right there? To preside over, to rule. And so basically God said in Genesis, I created you, man. I created you, woman, to have rule, to have dominion, to, have pre pre uh, um, to preside over the calendar, the chronological clock, the time. I'm giving it to you. It's a gift back to you. It's going to have a sun. It's going to have a moon. It's going to have light. It's going to have seasons. You're going to like it. And I'm going to give you the dominion to guide and control that time. And so let's look at Kronos Advent. So back in the day, the Hebrew calendar was built around the moon. It was not built around the sun. There are 13 months in the Hebrew calendar. And the start of the Hebrew calendar starts with the month of Nisan on March 1st. Okay? So that is actually where the Hebrew calendar interrupts and God gave, and that's why there was, there was 28 days. If you look at the lunar calendar, it's always 28 days. An interesting thing, this is Julius Caesar came on. This is not the Julians who attend here, but the, Ju the, the Julian calendar is a solar-based calendar. It's a sun-based calendar, and it started in 45 BC, so before Christ was born. It was 12, he, he shifted it to 12 months a year, and he bit, went around the sun, and he moved everything to January 1st. The first year got moved to January 1st. So then came the, the reality of the... Copernican Revolution and everything else that happened in science around 1500, and they realized the earth's not flat. The earth's not flat. Don't tell everybody, but the earth's not flat. It's round. And so what happens when you realize you have a pie and it's round, that guess what? 
it doesn't really divide as equally as you want. The decimal points just keep going, going on and on and on and on in a division. And so that's where the leap year correction came into play. They recognized that the division of the, the, the calendar couldn't be 0.25. It was 0.25001234, all these numbers, okay? And so therefore, the leap year correction came in, and they started adding in leap years to, to, to balance out the calendar because it wasn't working exactly right. But here's the reality. Who did God give dominion to? The church, the people. And guess what? Guess what Advent is? It's the first season of the church. We define when the new year starts. The church defines it. And the new year starts with Advent when we get to prepare our hearts for Christmas and say, guess what? My king has came and he's coming again. And that's what Advent's about. It's about celebrating and recognizing that my heart needs prepared to recognize that my God's coming back. He didn't just conquer the grave. He didn't just fill me with new life. He actually is coming back again, and he's coming to grab his church. He's going to come to grab his bride, and he's going to take us to heaven, and he's going to build a new earth right here. And God is able to do that, and I know he's able to do it because I know he resurrected, he, he rose from the dead, and he's alive within me. And I just want to praise God for what he's done in my life. And I know so many people here can do the same thing and praise God. Now, I think this is interesting when you look at the church calendar. You always learn something when you preach. Advent is the four weeks up to Christmas. Christmas is actually a two-week period of time. And there's Lent, which is in preparation to Easter. Tridum, that's actually the Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Saturday, Monday, Thursday, or excuse me, no, Monday, Thursday. Saturday is, uh, and then Easter is obviously Sunday. So, and then there's ordinary time. So that's what that, that triduum is. So let's look at this passage in Kronos time in Luke chapter 1 here and actually see uh, this passage of, uh, of, uh, of Zechariah, Okay. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the joy had shown her great mer- or the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, "No, no, he is to be called John." But they said to her, "There's no one in your relatives who ha- has that name." Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. What's interesting here, if you look at this, let's look at the chronological sequence. First, Elizabeth gives birth. Second, the neighbors saw God's mercy. Third, on the eighth day, the child gets a name. Okay, this is a chronological expectation of things that happened every single time. Fourth, Zechariah asked the child's name. And fifth, Zechariah's his name, Zechariah writes, his name is John. Now you look at all that and say, well, there's some weird stuff in there. Like why is Zechariah can't talk? Why, why is his name John? His name's supposed to be in Jewish tradition. His name's supposed to be Je- Zechariah. He's the firstborn son, so he should be named Ze- Zechariah. But the reality is there's a prequel. There's a prophecy. There's a moment in time before Zechariah's life and Elizabeth's life in this earlier in their life that something took place. And there's this prophetic word and prophetic declaration over their life 
that we have to go back a little bit. So let's dig in a little bit back and see what, what the reality. Here, Luke, chapter 1, verse 7, we realize Elizabeth's womb was barren. What's interesting, if you think about this, is she was barren. Typically, um, Hebrew women would get married before the age of 20. And they said she was well into her adult years. That means she'd been, she'd been barren, struggling with infertility for decades, likely. So this woman, who has basically said she just resolved this will never happen, and she's now in the state of mind where she's got a baby. Or that, I'm sorry, at this point she's still, she, she's uh, getting ready for a prophecy. Luke chapter 1 here says, the angel prophesied to Zechariah he would have a son and name him John. So he got the name John from the angel. Third, he, John, will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord our God. Who's John? John the Baptist. So right there's another prophetic word talking about John the Baptist in, in anticipation. All right, technology is not my friend right now because it's not advancing. Are you guys able to advance that slide for me? There we go. Thank you. Fourth, behold, you'll be silent and unable to speak until these things take place. Therefore, the, this little, <laughs> it's a prophetic declaration again. Hey, guess what, Zechariah? Your faith is not where it was supposed to be. You're going to go mute, and now you have to be silent, and you're not even going to be able to tell people your child's name by your own voice. And then reality is, Luke comes, or Zechariah comes out of the temple because um, he was a priest. He comes out of the temple, and guess what? He can't talk. So now, in the whole midst of this stuff, his wife becomes pregnant, and, and this story takes place, and you're realizing that something is happening here. There's a story going on that doesn't seem to be making sense to Zechariah and, and, uh, and to uh, Elizabeth. And I can tell you this, that many, many, many times in Paige and Maya's infertility journey, the story didn't make sense. Many times we would cry, we would struggle, we would fight the battle, and it just didn't make sense. And I think that's the challenge that we face as believers. It's like, well, God, it's not a bad thing to want to be parents. It's not a bad thing to desire, to desire children. But yet, it didn't happen our way. It didn't happen in our story at the time that we thought it would. But if it's God's will, and it's God's will, then he will make a way. Amen. It's not to glorify us. It's to glorify the one who we're waiting for. So I got a question for you. What are you longing for? Maybe it's Christmas break. Maybe it's the present under the tree. Maybe it's to pay off your car loan. Maybe it's retirement. Maybe it's a prophetic word to be fulfilled or a prodigal to come home. Maybe it's a wedding day. Maybe it's a barren wound that needs to be filled. Maybe it's a promise that you knew from God's word and you knew you, God gave it to you, but it hasn't happened yet. What are you waiting for? What are you longing for? What is your deepest desire of your heart? Because I believe in a God 
who longs to fulfill the desire of your heart. He longs to fill the desire of your heart. It's not, he's not up there worried about whether it's going to get fulfilled. He's not up there stressed and worn out and, and struggling whether or not it's going to be fulfilled or not. He's the one that holds today and tomorrow and doesn't even see a space. He's able to see them ball because he's the one that longs to fulfill the desire of your heart. He loves you. He made you. He knew who you were before you were born. That's the God I know. So let's look into this next passage, and let's look a little bit about Kairos time. We've got Kronos time, chronological, right? And uh, let's look at this concept of Kairos time. Now, it's funny about Kairos time. It's like there's this, here's this book. And those, of you, those of you know me, I, I, I love to read books. There wasn't a time in my life where I did, but now I do. And the name of this book is called When. And the subtitle of the book is The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. And the funny thing about this book is he goes through, and you can see all these graphs, and you can see that some people, there's actually evidence that some people are night people and some people are morning people. And when they make a decision and when they make it a time decision that actually is based upon their biological clock, not necessarily the clock of the day. And, but what he doesn't go into in this book is he never talks about God. He never talks about how God is able to, he's the one that's perfect, He's the one that intervenes, intervenes with time and interacts with time. And this guy is a very, it's a secular writer, secular book, good business book, and helping you make decisions. But in reality, the, there's a reality of understanding God's kairos time. If we recognize this, we'll see God at work in our lives. And we have to just recognize that it's not about us making a good decision. It's about God stepping in and him getting all the glory. Okay. So let's look at Kairos time. What is Kairos? It's opportune time. This is where people will say, oh, that's a coincidence. Or the, they semi-spiritualize it and call it serendipity. Or Chris Volatin, I recently heard a sermon from him, and I love, this, I love the way he defined it. He said, divine, divine favor meets divine opportunity. God stepping in from God's perspective, recognizing the circumstances, and says, now. Now. Why? Because God's the one that's going to be glorified. God's the one who's at work. So let's look at an example of this, this tension between Cairo's time and Scripture. This is John chapter 7, and just to give you an idea, this is the Festival of Tabernacles, and Jesus' brothers, he's with his brothers, and listen to what happens in this conversation. And the brothers say to Jesus, leave Galilee and go to Judea. And listen to the tone. I'm going to inflect inflect a little bit here, but so that your disciples there may see the works that you do. You hear that? No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. You hear the urgency of time? Do you hear time being forced? And what's interesting, listen to what Jesus' response. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that it work, its works are evil. You go to the festival, I am not. 
going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. What's interesting is that every single word time is used here, it's kairos time. So time here, my time, is there's this, just this tension where, and we, truth, ready for truth? Was, I force Cairo's time more often than I want, right? How often can we confess that as, as believers? I struggle with the reality that times aren't, aren't happening in my time, things aren't happening in my pace, and so I force it to come, try to make it happen, and it doesn't work, doesn't work very well. Does not. But that's what we, we, we're in that tension of trusting. How do I trust God on this? Well, I can do a much better job than God can. And that's this whole tension of Cairo's time because God has a time that he wants to step in and show that he's the one that's going to get all the glory and praise. So let's look into this. It's Kairos. <clears throat> this is back to Zechariah. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. This is what was prophesied in, Jan- in Luke chapter 1, verse 20. Because you do not believe my words, which will come at their appointed time. This back up, now we're going to jump ahead into verse 63 in Zechariah's story. And he writes this. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue was set free, and he began to speak, praising God. Boom, Kairos time. God's Kairos time stepped in in the Advent story and spoke immediately when God wanted it to happen. And just like God prophesied it would happen, and God is glorified through that process. And what happened? Everybody was filled with awe. Everybody went, no way. That's amazing. And throughout the hill country, it didn't even just stop there. It went everywhere. It went everywhere in Judea. People were talking about all these things. That's what happened the first time Jesus came. There was so much festivity. There was so much celebration. Guys, the shepherds knew, heard about it, and they shouted about it. The, the, the magi came from the Orient and started speaking to, about this Jesus that was coming. There are so many powerful Advent stories that were prophesied in the Old Testament that God said, yes, this is the time. This is the Kairos time that it's going to ha- happen, and it's going to all happen right now, and it's going to give God the glory because of God's timing and everything that he's doing. That is the power of what Kairos time is. When our longings align with God's heart, God's way and God's timing bring God glory for all to see. So that's the key thing there, right? Because our longings have to align with what God's doing, what God's doing in the world and God's heart. And when we wrestle through that and dig into that, we have to recognize that God is at work and recognize that we have to really submit our own hearts in our own ways and stop looking at the clock and start looking at God's heart. Wrestle through that right now. Let that sit. How many of us are looking at the clock for what God's doing and we're missing God's heart? That's the tension that we have to rest in. And that's what Advent reminds us to recognize that God's spirit is at work and he's ready to speak to us. He's ready to answer the longings of our heart, but we have to get to listening to what his heart is about. It's 
what worship team does. It brings us into the center of God's presence, and we can really wrestle with the reality that, God, I'm, I'm struggling. I want the world, I want it to work the way I want it to work. I want it to happen now. I don't understand why I have to wait. I don't understand what you're doing. Why, are you even there? But yet God's longing and God's perfect timing is for God's glory to take place. This reinforces this, ready? He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready to prepare a people prepared for the Lord. And then verse 66 says, everyone heard this and wondered about it. What then is this child going to be? Who is he? For the Lord's hand was with him. It was John the Baptist, right? We've already said that. John the Baptist was at work, or a guy was at work in John the Baptist's life preparing him. And that's the amazing story of this, is John and Jesus were cousins. Elizabeth was Mary's aunt, right? So there's a, there's a connection there. And there's a powerful family relationship. And so one of the stories that I want to show you and just tie this in to help you guys see where God is at work in Paige and my story and our family's story is I want to tie in, oh, before I go there, God's heart loves to surprise his children with blessings of hope and a future. He wants to look into your situation and surprise you. And the question is, are you looking for it? Are you anticipating the surprise? Are you anticipating it, or are you wanting it to happen on your chronological clock? Now, how many of you know our son Bryce? Bryce is our second son, and uh, we're going to give you a little chronological time clock of Bryce's adoption and uh, show you how God stepped in Kairos with Kairos time. So year eight of our journey of infertility, uh, that summer, second Second step, we decided to adopt in summer of 2004. Samuel was three. So we were ready to adopt again. Third step, our good friend Carmen Cash, uh, Scott and Carmen, Carmen was pregnant with Grant. And she received a prophetic word at the time. And the prophetic word was, you're going to raise your children together with the Fishers. Now, we'd already had Samuel and Kyla, so we, they, they were already good friends. And Carmen was pregnant. And I remember Paige came into me and she's like, Brett, Carmen got this prophetic word. I don't even know what that is. And uh, I, I, she's like, I don't want to wait that long. It was the fall, right? And chronologically, we looked at the chronological clock. She goes, I don't want to wait till the, to the spring because she knew Carmen was having a baby um, in, the, in the spring. And so then the fourth point was another friend of ours started praying. Her name's Sarah, and she started praying that we would adopt our, our next child by Easter. Now let's look at the Kairos time. That winter, there was a snowstorm that led us off Interstate 69 and down State Road 3. 
We stopped and helped the young driver and his grandma. Fast forward a few months, we received a phone call on Good Friday that a little boy was born Holy Thursday. We received an unexpected letter in the mail. Remember the grandma? She asked me for my address. I didn't want to give it to her. Hadn't talked to her, didn't know anything about her, didn't know where she lived, didn't know anything else. We get a letter in the mail. This is in Bryce's adoption box. Notice the card, Easter blessings. This is Holy Holy Saturday. This is Saturday, right before Easter. And scrawled in ink on the back of her church bulletin are these words. We love because he first loved us. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is for the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. We receive grace through scripture and the sacraments. God answers prayer in his own time and way. In my lifetime, I've been rerouted. He wanted me to do something else first. Your petitions for your family are heard. God does hear and answer prayer. And surely I'm with you always to the rest of your life, end of your life. May God bless you and yours and your hospital work. She knew that I worked at the hospital. So right there, this happened. We received this letter on the Saturday that God gave the prophetic word to Carmen that we were going to have a child by Easter. And we're sitting here going, this is amazing. I, I remember, I'm like, who did this come from? And then I read it, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. That's incredible. Only God could do that. Only God could orchestrate that. Grant was born on Tuesday, the following Tuesday. Monday, maybe. I can't Monday. Following Monday. And here's a picture of uh, Carmen and Paige. Samuel's holding Grant, and Kyla's holding Bryce. Only God could write that story. And he alone gets all the praise. So we went to, we're going to transition to this to the Advent calendar a little bit here in a second. But this, the prophetic word is still unfolding today. This is a picture of the four when they were little kids. And then we decided to recreate the photo Friday night when we, when we, did the, uh, we had our first Advent um, event. So this is, what, this is what happened on Friday night. So... Anyways, so the story is still unfolding, right? God's still at work and unfolding his story for him to be glorified as he gave a prophetic word as we were anticipating our hearts. Now, I think it's interesting as you start to think about Advent and you start to think about what God's doing in your life and how he's at work. I want to transition and and tell a story or kind of add this into your own life and how you can anticipate God's presence through this Advent, uh, Advent season. So Advent is, it started Friday night, and so that was the first, today's the third, and it goes till, uh, till Christmas Eve. Now, I grew up doing Advent every year, okay? And this is actually a, a, the exact, it's not the same one, but it's a, it looks the same because my sister made these for us. 
when we started having kids. And this is an Advent tree. And there's little pockets underneath there, and there's 24 of them for the kids. And then we, the first thing that always goes up is the star. And then you have all these little characters. So you got snowmen, candy canes, Santa Claus, and all that stuff. Now, I want to look at this. The devil can steal anything and make it for his own. But I remember the day when every time growing up, Santa Claus was in the last thing. Because that's what happened. Santa Claus came Christmas Eve. But the interesting thing happened to us as a family is we all came to the Lord at the same time. And I remember the next year, something changed. We stopped putting Santa Claus in the last one. He still got put in the calendar because he represented St. Nicholas, who was a, a God-fearing man who uh, was generous and demonstrated Christ's generosity in the world. And, the, and the, the, the world and the culture twisted that, too. But um, St. Nicholas was a man, so we, we still talk about that. But I remember as a kid, because the year that our family came to Christ, we switched it. We changed it. We put baby Jesus at the end. And so it was, a, it was a memory for me to remind myself to keep Christ centered as part of the, at the center of, Christ, center of uh, uh, the Advent and the Christmas season. Now, here's an interesting story. I was taking this picture in preparation for this message, and I took this picture, and I took the camera, and I didn't know that I had the flash on. Look at that. That's a Kairos moment. That's a Kairos moment. God did that. I didn't orchestrate that. It me, I'm like, Jesus is the light of the world. I can't make this up. But literally, when I, when I, when I took that photo, I stopped and said, you got to be kidding me. And I ran over and I showed Katima. And then I showed, I showed Bryce. And I, I couldn't wait to tell people because of what God did. And when God steps in... Who are you telling? Who are you sharing the news with? Because God has a story that he wants to write in your life, and he wants to speak and shine his light on the heart and the brokenness, and that he can make you whole, and he can restore what has been broken. He can bring to death to life and shine his resurrected light in your life, and he wants to do that. But are you looking? Are you looking? Are you seeing what God's doing? I think then when you start to recognize this, you can have a calendar that recognizes chronological advent. But when your heart is prepared, you actually anticipate wonder like a child, and you see Kairos advent all the time. You see Kairos' intervention in your life, and God gets the glory. Amen. So there it is. That's that picture. So that's the two steps you can do the rest of this advent season is to build culture around your calendar and anticipate wonder like a child. That's your take-home. Build culture around your calendar and anticipate wonder like a child. Two-step process, very simple. Look at your chronological calendar, build it, recognize it, and let's look at the, we're going to talk about building it for some moments and seeing what God can do, and then you can actually anticipate God intervening with Kairos, Kairos time to give himself glory. So now Paige and I have been doing this ever since the kids were little. So I do not 
we're not going to challenge. I talked to Tom and Eric, and I'm like, I don't want to uh, force this on anyone. This can be very intimidating if you kind of try to follow what we do at times. Uh, but we've a lot of it's been adapted over the years, and we've just built it. And for those of you who, are, who want to really do this, Paige has created like about a five-minute message on how to do it and how we planned it. She's got scriptures laid out to it and everything so that she can actually, because we get, we get asked every year how to do, how we do this. And so there's actually four different ways you can do unique, you can do a Kronos time, and you're already doing one of them. So you can just choose what to do this year and don't, don't change it. But one is just recognize that the Advent season's here and just prepare for Christmas. You're already preparing for Christmas. So just prepare in that way and recognize that God, just recognize that the season is Advent. Change your heart's perspective and look for God to step in in the next, next it'd be 22 days now. So just anticipate God over the next, next 22 days. Or you can do it once a week. Or you could do it every three days. Or you could jump in and do it every day. Now, we do, we have, again, we do this every day. We have moments. We actually have a box, this little box now, this Advent calendar a friend of ours gave to us. And as you open them, there's little pieces of paper that will say things. Like Friday night, we went, and we went to Minatrista with, with the Cash family, and we went walking through the Christmas lights. There's so many opportunities in the winter, in the, in the Advent season, to see Christmas lights, to, to have special things. And there's, there's ways to do this right now that are just very, very easy. And one of the things that we've done, and this is a, some of our kids are here, so it's, I'm kind of kind of spoiling it for them. But uh, um, this year, because of kids' calendar schedules, and uh, Samuels lives out of the house now, so it's not as easy for all of us to get together. So we're actually stretching some of them. So we might stretch something over three days that we originally, when the kids were younger, we could do it all in one, one day, right? So now we're stretching some things over three days because we know that day we're all going to get together, right? So there's, 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 create, there's a lot of creative ways you can think outside of the box when you're thinking of chronological time to anticipate and to uh, prepare your calendar for things. And, and some of them, guys, are just the school Christmas party that's already on the calendar, the church Christmas party that's already on the calendar. <laughs> There's so many things that are already there that you can already, that you can, that you can already do. Um, so second part is uh, just what's your focus. The focus can be scripture, family, service, giving. Uh, this is a great chance to ring the bell for Salvation Army. This is a, uh, oh, the gal that's doing the, well, the recovery house would be a great way to give. Absolutely, I was thinking, um, Lizzie. Thank you. I knew I knew the name that I was thinking was not right. Um, Lizzie has got a Christmas gift for a little child. Um, there's trees. There's trees. Salvation Army. There's trees. At Huffman's chiropractor where where people are giving to uh, kids that are uh, families that can't do Christmas. There's lots of ways to give and to prepare. Um, to give back to other people who are less fortunate, and it's an opportunity to focus on others rather than yourself. And so it really gives us the spirit of giving in this Advent season. And guess what? When you give, your heart is anticipating. You're, you're, because God's a giver, and you can't outgive God, and He's going to give back. And it's just a, it's just, it's amazing to watch God do that. And. Uh, I love uh, the fun side of it, the moments, the movies, the memories. We will watch, 
we'll watch uh, the movie Elf together. And I know it's a Christmas movie and it's about Santa and everything, but we just laugh. We just laugh. And it's just one of those things where we as a family will crack up laughing. And then you're making quotes. I mean, um, we went out. I just, this is just me. So just bear with me. So Friday night, we're at the, we're at the Christmas walk. And this lady walks in, and she has an elf shirt on. And I walk in, and I, and I just started singing. <laughs> and she's like, why is this guy doing it? I, I mean, I, just spontaneous fun, just to, just to create a memory that, that makes everybody laugh and interacts and stuff. So to me, that's what this season's about. It's a part where you can kind of let go and create some memories. It's fun to watch our, kid, our kids now. They will quote movies from the Advent and stuff that we used to do and it's hilarious to watch them quote it because they can quote the movie almost before it even happens it's it, it just and it just brings you back into that moment of um of anticipation and fun it's just a great a great opportunity so um so advent action plan very simply uh schedule a few advent events to anticipate just pick something on the calendar something you want to do uh, with your family, call some friends and anticipate with them. Prepare your heart with eager anticipation. Prepare your heart with eager anticipation. I think it's fun to read the book of Luke um, right now because there are so many prophetic words in Luke that were fulfilled during the first advent when Christ was coming the first time and you watch it and you read the scripture and it just comes alive because there's so many moments where God stepped in and God interacted and and spoke to his people. The memory verse is Colossians 1:17 and I even put this on here have fun searching for God's kairos moments during the advent season and then give a testimony Put it up on the Facebook group and share a testimony about how God, God, God works and God is at work in your family's story, in your chronological story, and your um, Cairo story of your life. Because I can promise you this, when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. When you prioritize your calendar and acknowledge that God created your calendar and he gave you dominion over it, when you prioritize your calendar, according to him, he will show up time and time again. Thank you. Let me close in prayer. Lord God, you are good and you are with us. Your grace is so sufficient and we are so humbled the fact that you would consider us worthy, that you would step forward in time and uh, you would recognize that we were a people that needed a Savior. And so we surrender our hearts and our minds to you. And God, I pray right now that if this is the time for anyone to find and hear your voice for the first time and to come forth and receive you, there's not such a, 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 today is the day of salvation. And we give you glory because, God, you're at work in people's hearts and minds. So if today's that day, if you want to come forward and talk to Eric or myself, uh, we'd love to pray with you. And uh, we just give God all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.